Welcome to the online teaching ministry of Pastor Rob Ginter and Farmdale Baptist Church. For more content, visit us online at farmdalebaptist.com. Good morning. Welcome to church. It's good to be with you all this morning. I hope you have had a wonderful week and a very almost Merry Christmas. So, what's the difference between an envelope salesman and a mailman? This isn't a trick, by the way. This isn't a trick. The difference between an envelope salesman and a mailman. Well, the difference between an envelope salesman and a mailman is the same thing and the same difference between social justice, mere social justice, and gospel mission. And what is that dif- difference between an envelope salesman and a mailman? Between mere social justice and gospel ministry? What's the difference? A message. A message, my friends. So here we are in the book of Acts as we continue to walk verse by verse through the entire thing. A couple weeks ago, we saw the first intentional missionaries sent out by the church of Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas, excuse me, there in Acts chapter 13. And here we see the very message of the mission. Now, why is this important? Don't we already know this? Don't we already know this information? We do. But here's the issue. Our missions will have no eternal impact in this entire world if it does not have this message with it. And this message is what makes missions missions. So we can't say that we have successfully been on Jesus' mission if we have not participated in the sharing of a message. So do we want our life to make an impact? Do we want the mission of our church to do any good? Do real good? Well then we must be content, not just content, but convicted to share this particular message. So I ask if you're able to stand in the honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Uh, Acts chapter 13, we take a look at the message. I'm not going to read the entire portion, but, uh, but just a small portion of the passage. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse uh, 36, as we saw this morning, but we'll, we'll bring it before us uh, again. Acts chapter 13, verse 36, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. Let's pray this morning. 
You all can be seated as we do. Uh, Father, thank you so much for the truth of your scriptures. We ask in this moment for mercy in, on the preacher and the hearers that this message might be what transforms our very lives and shakes us to the very core of who we are, that we might make trades in this moment, that we might make trades from what we're banking our life on and living our life for in this moment. May we make that trade for the one that you would have for us, the life that you would have for us, the focus that you would have for us, the emphasis and what we bank our entire life on. Let it be the person of the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So as we look here at Acts chapter 13, verses uh, 13 through 41, uh, we see that as a result of hearing this truth, we ourselves must forsake all our trust to justify our existence another way than this and place all our trust and belief in the person of Jesus. Why? Because number one, you must believe in Jesus because he is the point of history. He's the point of history. Why are we here? Where's everything going? Here we are at Christmas time. And it's as if Christmas needs a point. It's as if Christmas needs meaning. It's as if Christmas needs a mascot. So, since Christmas doesn't really have any meaning or any purpose or mean anything to anybody, what we're going to do is we're going to create a mascot for Christmas. So when you think of Christmas, you're tying it to this particular individual. Because it was lacking, we decided to add something to it, traditions and focuses, or foci, if you will, or if you won't. Now, what is it? Who is it? Who's the mascot of Christmas? Since it was such a weak holiday and had nothing that mattered in it, why did we dress it up? Who did we dress it up for? Well, I think you probably can guess the competitor of the Lord Jesus on Christmas. It's everything that we've tried to add to it. But my friends, it is enough on its own that we would celebrate the Lord Jesus coming to earth on Christmas. It is enough, my friends. And why must we not focus our attention on presence, or the presence of a guy in a red sweatsuit that eats all your cookies. It's not a good guy if he takes my cookies, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I have a beef with him on that. I'd be like, hey man, listen, there is not enough cookies for both of us. Why would we make, why would we refuse, right, reject? all of the trappings of the culture when it comes to the celebration of the Lord Jesus. Why would we reject that? Because the Lord Jesus has come in the flesh, and my friends, He is the point of history. 
He's the point. Why would you add something to try to miss the point? He's not just the point of Christmas. He's not just the point of the holiday. He is the point of the entire creation of the world. For through Him all things were created, and by Him they exist, and for Him they find their meaning. He's the reason. Not just for the season, He is the reason for everything. For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him. So Paul opens this sermon by saying everything that God did since the beginning of the world culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. And as you look down at this passage, this is, as Sima said, this is God-saturated. He shows all of these events as the activity of God. Look at verse 17. He says in verse 17 that God chose their fathers. God did this. He's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in the midst of the sin and darkness of Genesis 3 through 11, in the beginning of our Bibles, God initiates, chooses, calls out a single individual out of a pagan world. And he chose Abraham, he chose Isaac, and he chose Jacob. And he indicates that these chosen individuals are for himself from the beginning. And so will he do that very same thing until the end. He has chosen us for himself. So God didn't just choose a man and make a nation for himself and make them great. In verse 17, he brought them out of slavery. Verse 18, he put up with them in the wilderness. He destroyed their enemies in the land of Canaan. He gave them the land as an inheritance. He didn't give them just the land, but he gave them leaders and judges. And then they asked for a king. They were given what they asked for in Saul, and he was removed. God removed him. He gave them David, a man after his own heart. We read all of this biblical history in this passage. Then he gets to David in verse 23. Here's what he says. Speaking of David in verse 23, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So he skips thousands of years between David and Jesus to elevate him as the one who's both descended from David and the promise of God. Everything has to do with God and it gets its meaning from him. So when God wrote into existence the history of the world, what did he make the point of the history of the world? He made Jesus the point of the history of the world. Jesus, my friends, is the point of your life. He is the point of your life. He is the reason that you are alive. Do you understand just how fleeting everything is compared to him? How pathetic and little and weak and meaningless that everything is compared to the person of the Lord Jesus. Do you understand that? God prospered his people in Egypt, verse 17. He put up with them in the wilderness, verse 18. He gave them an inheritance in verse 19. And he gave them a king after his own heart, verse 22 in your Bible. But none of the things that God ever gave them and none of the things that God ever gave you, none of those things ever compared to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. None of them, none of them compared to him. 
Do you rather have a new bike or Christ? Would you rather have one, a little shack figurine that dunks like I had when I was 10? Or Christ? Why, I'm young, dumb, and immature. I'd rather have the bike. We've got to do a better job. Stop making things look like the competitor of the Lord Jesus this time of year. Got to do better. Got to do way better. He has no equal, my friends. He has no equal because he is the point of history. He is the point of the world. And then, in the, if you look down at the passage, he brings in John the Baptist. Now, why? John the Baptist is awesome because he always puts things in perspective. He's the greatest of born among women, and he's still not Jesus. Verse 25, he says, after one, John says, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. So he's talking, the, the job of, a, of a, the, the poorest of the poor, the slavest of the slaves, would be to take off your shoes. Carry your shoes. He says, I'm not even worthy to do that. Why? Because everything in history, every action of God is pointing to this one. He's the high point of history. And all of us and everything else is not worthy of Him. None of it. We need this perspective. We need this perspective. So I pray for you and for me that God gives you this one gift for Christmas, perspective. Perspective. Because it's a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing. And what is this perspective that I want you to have? The point of this time of year, the point of every year and every minute in between is the person of the Lord Jesus because He, my friends, is the point of history. History is not haphazardly stumbling sleepily to the future of the earth or spinning without reason. It's purposed in Jesus Christ. And if you want to look back at everything in your life, you would see that God is revealing the all-sufficiency of His Son in the events surrounding you. And in your troubles, you would see that Jesus is enough in that moment. He's enough. He's always enough. It's always about Him. He's always enough. History, the history of the world, these moments, these pulses in your wrist that's beating, it's God-centered, Christ-exalting. Each beat of your heart. is meant to praise your Creator and His purpose in His Son. That's the standard, my friends. How much, though, of our life is spent in the shallow end of things, the shallow end of the pool, not viewing everything how it relates to God and His Son? Instead, how we relate to the culture and everything that it feeds us, we eat. And everything it clothes us in, we wear. And everything it gives us to drink, we drink. 
everything we, it showers on us, we get wet with. If you're not a Christian, here's how this applies specifically to you. If Jesus is the point of history and the point of your life, you will, I promise you, if God opens your eyes from blindness, will get to the end of your life and realize you missed the point of it. Now, the problem with that is you might not have any time left to turn it around. But you know what you have right now? This day. These moments. Maybe you've already wasted enough of your life at this point to say that I have missed the point. I've missed the point, the point of it all. I got wrapped up in the stress of it all. The expectations that I set for myself and that others have placed on me, I got wrapped up in those things. Instead, I missed the point. The point being the Lord Jesus. C.T. Studd, the missionary, said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So here's where we find ourselves, right? We dropped out of the helicopter and we're on the ground. We're trying to acclimate ourselves to the lay of the land. Here's what we got. You've got a time bomb ticking in your chest and it's beating and it's thumping and one day it will explode and your life will be over. And that your time is short and the time is near. And there is a reason for you to live this moment. You have no time, very little time, and one focus and one purpose, and that is the Lord Jesus. So we must understand that he is the point of history and orient ourselves to that. You must believe that Jesus is the point of history. Not only that, he is the promise of God. So God has made everything hinge on his actions and the actions of his son. He kept all of his promises in Jesus. So why would Jesus be the point of everything? Because God said a long time ago that he would come through for his people. And Jesus is the way that God came through for his people. Verse 26 says, they have been given the message of salvation. This is the promise in Jesus. So they didn't recognize him for who he was, put him to death, but his identity was confirmed as the fulfillment of the promises of God. In the scripture, by his death in verse 29, his resurrection in verse 30, and his appearance to witnesses in verse 31, Paul's summary statements found in verses 32 and 33, if you look down at your Bible in that. And we bring to you the good news that what God has promised to the fathers, this he fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. So he's the point of everything and the promise of God. And God confirmed this promise by his son rising from the dead. From the dead. So God has not only made everything about him, but he kept his promise in him. He then, if you just keep your head down in your Bible, 
He quotes three Old Testament passages. In verse 33, he quotes Psalm 2-7 to show that God would send His Son. Verse 34, he quotes Isaiah 55-3 to show that God would bless us through Him. In verse 35, he quotes Psalm 16-10 to show us that He would be raised from the dead. This is a very well thought out plan that God would not only make everything about Jesus, but follow through on everything in Him. Because follow me on this logic. Everything is about Christ. He's alive in our hearts. Kind of like my grandpa who passed away. He's, he's alive in my heart. I have mannerisms that and say things that make people think of him. He has no real power over my life. Because, of course, he's passed away. See the problem with that? Because God made Jesus the point of history. My friends, when you are the focal point of the universe, death cannot and will not hold you. Because if God said, in him all things hold together, and his body goes in the grave, if he does not get up, man, everything is falling apart and dead. Including you, including the very universe that we dwell in right now. So what happens here? He made everything about Christ and death could not hold him. And God kept his promise in his son by raising him from the dead. That's what he did. We, we think very little about the importance of God keeping his promise in his son. But if you've ever been let down before, you realize it could be devastating. When's the last time you had anybody let you down? Not come through for you. On something big. This is the biggest of the bigs. The point of the world. Salvation of sinners. And if he's still dead, then you're still in your sins. And above all, most people to be pitied, according to 1 Corinthians 15. But no, God kept his promise in his son. He confirmed it in Jesus by his resurrection. So what do we do because God keeps his promises in his son? You trust in him because he's faithful at the eternal salvation level of your soul. He's faithful and strong to come through with everything he said he would do. To take care of you like he said he would take care of you. Even through death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. because Why? Because you're with me. You're with me, even in the shadow of death. So, if he's faithful and he comes through at the level of eternal salvation of the, soul, of the sinner's soul, of the core of who you are, right? If you're trusting him at that level, like if, you, if things have escalated to you are a Christian, you're saved, so at that level, if that's the way you trust him, how many things are lesser things? Real quick quiz. How many things are lesser things than whether or not you burn in hell forever? How many? All of them. All of them. All the things are lesser things than where you personally will end up a million years from now. Eternal destinies. Of you, your family. Everything's less, th less than that. 
All of it. So my friends, if he's faithful at that level, and he's faithful at your aunt has cancer level, He's faithful at the level of I've got just I just keep being sick and I got stuff wrong with me and I can't figure it out and the doctors can't figure it out and we just keep going back and we keep going back and we keep going back and we just can't figure it out. Or I, I just feel like this dark clouds over my head and it just the darkness will not lift. My friends, he's faithful at that level. He's faithful at that level and he's faithful at every level. Do you not know him at all? Do you know him? Because you should know this about him, that God is faithful and he's kept his promises in his son and he keeps every other promise. Particularly, right, the one that says he will never leave you or never forsake you. You're not the lone survivor. You're not the one that just, you're just not by yourself. You're not alone. He's faithful at every level. And you must believe in him because he's the point of everything and he's the promise of God. Not only that, you must believe in Jesus because above all things, he is the purifier of sinners. I did it real Southern Baptist for you guys. Point, promise, purifier. You're welcome. Look at verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. So what is Jesus offering me? It's a great question. Verse 38, the forgiveness of sins. Do you understand how important this is? Important this is. Me and my wife went to college together. And uh, I, uh, I try to dress nice to overcompensate for maturity and intellect and things like that. I'm just letting you all know this. But you know what? I have come a long way. Oh, I've come a long way. When, when we were in college, I was in college with my wife, she'd walk in the room, I'd start clapping. I'd be like, praise the Lord for that one. And I don't know why she didn't want to go out with me. You know, like, I, I would just be like standing, can we just get up all up on our feet? Praise the Lord for that, what he did right there and that one right there. Like, and people were all just like, no, no, this guy's got some issues. I asked her out via uh, Facebook too, right, on the internet, because that's real mature. Uh, we talk in person, but that was kind of scary. So when she went away, I was like, hey, you want to go do lunch? However, right, so I say that because Facebook is, so our social media does this thing. It, it, it shows you who you were 10 years ago. And I praise the Lord that I am not that guy. So what Facebook does is just, and, and, and I know who I am. I know who I've been. But a lot of that's kind of embarrassing. Even for me, who doesn't really get embarrassed. You, I mean, you really couldn't. You really couldn't embarrass me. I go to the back of Walmart. I go, oh, my fly's down. At least, I, you know, like, it's it. You know? I only saw 30 people. Praise God, it wasn't 50. You know? But what Facebook does was is just bring stuff back up of who you were. 10 years ago. And it's kind of embarrassing and silly. Silliness. I've done a lot of silly things. Silly things. Immature things. And I'm thankful that God is not like your Facebook memories. 
Because you know what? I've done, I haven't done just silly things. I've done sinful things. And if God were to mark iniquities, my friends, who could stand? Who could stand? So we're not just talking about something embarrassing that you posted online 12 years ago. I'm talking about your sin. I'm talking about your rebellion against God. I'm not talking about the stupid things you used to do. I'm talking about the ways you used to rebel against God. So when I say, and I say, look at verse 38, he offers you forgiveness of sins. Do you understand how important that is? It's a huge deal that everything you have done against God is not going to get thrown up in your face on the day of judgment. Right before he walks up to the elevator and he says, you're going down. Smoking or not, you're going to the smoking section. Then you get cast into a lake of fire and sulfur that burns forever and ever. Oh, what forgiveness he brings and he offers. So I'm saying if you're a Christian, look at that. Look at that timeline and look at how embarrassing you used to be. Look at how sinful you used to be or how you, maybe you are right now. Turn from your sin and trust in Him and revel in the fact that God forgives sinners. Joy in the fact that God forgives sinners. That He's not going to cast everything you did on your head when it's all said and done. Oh, what worship and praise and honor and glory and power and dominion should be brought to that one who has done that for us. That everything that we've done against him is not going to get thrown up at us. That's what he does. He offers to forgive us of our sins. If you're not a Christian right now, you have a long list of not, not just embarrassing moments that the internet throws back at you, but a lot of things that you've done against God. And how, you say, well, how, how do you say that I'm such a sinner like that? Well, okay, let's start back. Let's go back to the beginning of the sermon. Let's go back. Jesus is the point of history. He's the point of history. He's not just the reason for the season. He's the reason you're alive. Now back to the end. You have been living your life against the point of history. You've been living your life like you were the point of history. Like you were the focal point of all things. Like you were the reason that you were awake. Like you were the reason that you set your schedule the way that you wanted to. You were the reason that you made these decisions. Because they benefited you or your family. It was all about you. There's a biblical word for that. It's called sin. It's called sin. That's what it is. Now, Christ offers you forgiveness of sins. These are the terms of your surrender. You turn from your sin and you trust in Him. And He will forgive you of your sin. What else does He offer? Verse 39, the freedom from the law's demands. Why? And here's the issue that the law is 
what is going to condemn you on that day, who you should have been, what you should have done. That is what's going to condemn you. But look at verse 39. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. So verse 39, he says that what Jesus did, he offers to you to be freed from everything that you should have done, but you didn't do. That's what's going to testify against you on that day. He's going to forgive you. By His Son. He's going to free you from the demands of the law. If you look at verse 39, the word, uh, word for freed can be also translated justified. So think about it for a second. He will justify you from the law. Look at it like that. So the law is what God requires from his creatures. And he expects his creatures to do what he says. And we didn't. We didn't. Here's what we should have done. In Matthew 22, Jesus sums up the law And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Right? So what's the foundation of everything? Loving God with everything you got. And loving your neighbor with everything you got, like you were doing it for yourself. And here's the problem. Jesus is the point of history. God is the one you should love with all your heart. And you should love your neighbor by yourself, like yourself. And uh, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. But you see, Jesus is the purifier of sinners, my friends. He's not just the point of history and the promise of God. He is the purifier of sinners. So, when you look at this and you say, no, I didn't love the Lord my God with all my heart today for any length of time, come to Him for purification. Because that's what He does. The Lord is good at doing this. He is perfect at purifying sinners. He does it. That's what He offers and you go, How do you, what do you mean I didn't love the Lord? Okay, think about it, think about it like this. It says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. As one pastor put it, uh, you can't even listen to this sermon with your mind for this entire time, right? You, you've been like, uh, little Debbie cakes, little Debbie cakes. Little, why am I thinking about that? You know, like, you can't even do that, right? You're like, uh, they make those Christmas trees in chocolate. Praise the Lord for that. Oh, sorry. What, what, what verse were we on? <laughs> right? So we look at this, and we see that we are to love the Lord our God with all we have, and with all we are, and our neighbor like it, and because we haven't done that, we need what He offers, and that is the purification of us. It says, freed or justified from the law. We look at that, and every one of us is trying to justify, potentially, why we exist. Why are we here? What do we add to this world? Why, are, why, do we, 
Why do we keep moving? Why do we keep going? And if that reason is in our chest or inside of us, it won't last. The justification, right? He's saying you, he will justify you, free you from the law. It has to come from him. It can, your justification for living, your freedom can't come from you. It has to come from him. That's what God's doing in his son. You've fallen short of what he demanded. He offers his son to you. And after talking about all that Christ offered, Paul then in verse 40 warns us, lest that we look at this and we are not affected by it. He said, Beware therefore, lest what is said of the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if anyone tells you. So he's quoting Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 here, and the prophet's pouring out his complaints before God and saying, you're not dealing with evil. You're not doing what you, sh you should do. The evil is going on in our land. And here's what God says about this. He says, I am going to deal with evil. Back in Habakkuk, he's going to raise up the Chaldeans to take over God's people to, to deal with evil. So when you're looking at, at this last part of the passage, you see that God is a purifier of sinners and he frees us from the law. When you look at that, you realize the warning in verse 40 and 41 is that God is going to deal with evil. He's going to deal with evil. He absolutely is. So we have to take this seriously. You must believe in Jesus. This is the message of the mission, right? We don't do missions without this message. That Jesus is the point of history. He's the promise of God and the purifier of sinners. That's what it is. That's the message that we take to the nations. Do not leave home without it. Do not leave on mission without the message. Otherwise, it's a mess. And as we think through Christmas and, and look at this and reflect on it ourselves, we might go, you know, I know that, I, I've done all that, I've seen all that. But I would venture to say there's a group of people potentially in this room that need to look very carefully at this passage. Because there are those who are freed from the law and they know they've been freed from the law. They've been purified. Those who need to be purified and, and freed from the law, they need to be saved. So there's the saved who know it, and there's the, the, the unsaved, the lost that know it. And then there's a third group who's deceived, who think, right, that, you're, that Jesus is the point of your life, but you just kind of make the decisions that you want to do. Jesus is the point of history, but yeah, I'm just kind of doing what I want to do. Let me speak to you for just a second. And you don't think you're who you are, so... Good luck, I guess, right? There was a time when John Wesley found himself in this category. John Wesley. Some of you might know who that is. We attribute Methodist, Nazarene, Wesleyan churches to John Wesley. Uh, he once traveled all the way to the American colonies as a missionary, right? He goes on this mission. Praise the Lord for Wesley's mission, right? Went to Georgia. Good. He was an ordained minister. Praise the Lord. But you know what he wasn't? A Christian. He wasn't a Christian. He preached to others but didn't believe in his own heart. Here's what he said. He said, I myself who went to the Americas as a missionary to others but was never converted to God. So who is this third group of people? There, there are people who try to go on the mission and they don't believe the message. So don't be like John Wesley. 
in several ways, but particularly this one. You need to look at this and see if you're really living according to the point of history and the promise of the Father. If you've really, really, really been purified. Really been purified. Because Wesley then became a Christian and did impact the kingdom himself. He was invited to a reading of Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. Because apparently they did that kind of thing, a social commentary party. It was while hearing the intro to the book of Romans that he was, his heart was strangely warmed. He would write that this was the moment when he genuinely met Jesus for the very first time. Is that true of you, that everyone thinks already that you're a Christian? Meanwhile, you're missing the point. You need to pray during the song as they uh, sing, and uh, we will uh, respond all together. If you are a Christian... Meditate on this message. This is the message of our mission. This is, what, this is the reason we go, and if we go without this, we waste our time. So yes, let us go. Be as witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when we go, we need to tell them that He is the point of history. Because He's the promise of God, and He's the purifier of sinners. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Son that is the point of all things. Please, 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 please save those among us who don't know him. Let us worship you in spirit and in truth with our whole hearts, genuinely. Please change us. Focus us on the true message, not just the point of the season, but the point of every season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.